Our scripture reading for today is from the book of Acts, the 10th chapter, reading through the ninth uh, through the 16th verse. Let us stand as we are able for the reading of the scripture. About noon the next day, as they were on their journey and approaching the city, Peter went up on the roof to pray. He became hungry and wanted something to eat. And while it was being prepared, he fell into a trance. He saw the heaven opened and something like a large sheet coming down, being lowered to the ground by its four corners. In it were all kinds of four-footed creatures and reptiles and birds of the air. Then he heard a voice saying, Get up, Peter, kill and eat. But Peter said, By no means, Lord, for I have never eaten anything that is profane or unclean. The voice said to him again a second time, what God has made clean, you must not call profane. This happened three times, and the thing was suddenly taken up to heaven. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. You may be seated. In my very first appointment as a senior pastor to a church, I had been pastoring as associate pastor for many years, my very first appointment as a senior pastor, this city boy who had pastored in New Orleans and then in, in Dallas, in the Bishop's Wisdom, was sent to Paris, Texas. <laughs> Boy, did I have a lot to learn. And I, I learned a lot, but one of the... Fun parts of learning for me, when I went up to Paris, I learned a new domino game. It was called Texas 42. Any of y'all ever play that game? Yeah, whoop, yeah. Well, uh, that game, first of all, helped me develop a keen sense of humility. Man, I could get beat by the best of them and by the worst of them. But what really fascinated me about that game, and I still remember it, was the way that they kept score. 42, if you've never played it, is a partner game. And, you know, it's just partners, and the four at the table. And so the score is always kept this way, at least every place I've ever played. The score reads this way, you know, the score pad reads this way. Us, them. Doesn't matter. Men, men, women, boys, girls, doesn't matter. Us, them. And that's how you keep scoring in 42. It was an us-them world when you played 42. Well, for the Apostle Peter, he too lived in an us-them world. A world of divided, in his mind, between Jews and Gentiles. Matter of fact, the word Gentile means them. It's Jews and them. <laughs> and there were many ways that Jews uh, differentiated themselves from them, the Gentiles. One of the 
most obvious ways was their dietary practices. Even to this day, we know the word kosher, and that's a Jewish word, and it means clean. And the Jews were very meticulous in their eating habits, and they would only eat what was called kosher or clean foods. And they wouldn't eat anything that wasn't clean. They wouldn't eat such things as uh, things that we eat in Louisiana, like crawfish or shrimp or crabs or any good stuff like that. Uh, they, did, they thought that was unclean. Um, I, I can't quite figure that out. But uh, they, they said, uh, no, we're Jews. We, we don't eat that. We don't eat anything that's unclean. And that's why in, in this passage, uh, Peter is on this rooftop, and he's been in prayer, and then it says he went into a trance. And I think maybe the word that would better describe trance to me today might be that Peter was praying a lot, and then he started what I would call daydreaming. His thoughts took flight. And all of a sudden, in, in that God spoke to him in that trance, that daydream, that vision. And he sees this giant tablecloth coming down from heaven. And boy, on it is all kinds of food, and some of it wasn't kosher. And the, of course, the command from heaven was, this is all for you to eat, Peter. And he protests, no, Lord, I would never eat anything that wasn't uh, uh, kosher. You know that. Um, and God responds to Peter's uh, reaction to the command. Do not, Peter, consider anything unclean that God has created. Three times he has to get that vision. My middle name's Peter, I understand. Some of us, it takes more than once to get the point across, I guess. But boy, did God get the point across, because in that moment, it wasn't just Peter's dietary habits that changed. No. His whole worldview changed. And as you read this story that we, it's in the 10th chapter, and I encourage you to go home and read the rest of the story. The kids are getting that story right now in Bible school. Peter makes a decision to go with a stranger, a Gentile, named Cornelius, and he goes and preaches Jesus to them and baptizes them and brings them into the Christian fellowship. No longer for Peter is there an us-them world. As a matter of fact, Peter goes on in his sermon in the 10th chapter of Acts to say that the love and grace of Jesus Christ is not just for some. It is for all. I grew up in the city of New Orleans in the 1950s in an us-them world. And in that world, my us-them world was very clearly defined by signs. I mean real signs. And the sign said this, whites only, colored only. And those signs appeared everywhere. They were on the bus. Whites could sit here. Coloreds could sit there. They were on water fountains. Whites only on this water fountain. Coloreds only on that water fountain. Entrances to the movie house. Whites only went through this door. Coloreds, this door up in the balcony. That's just how it worked. My world was an us-them kind of world. But God had a way of exploding my us-them mentality, uh, just as 
he did with Peter's us-them mentality. It began in my college years uh, through a, a series of incredible events, but probably the most dramatic I remember was in 1961, uh, my, my second year, uh, uh, between my first and second year in college that summer, uh, the campus ministers in Louisiana at the Wesley Foundation, that's the Methodist uh, church's presence on the college campuses, it's called the Wesley Foundation, and they got together all across the state and they decided that it would be a great idea to bring all the Wesley Foundation groups together uh, for a great um, weekend retreat for prayer and singing and fellowship. And we'd, of course, go to the flagship school at LSU and the big Wesley Foundation there at LSU. It was 1961. And the letters went out, and I guess someone didn't think that was a good idea, so they let the governor of the state of Louisiana know that. And he immediately dispatched letters to all the campus ministers in Louisiana saying, cease and desist what you're about to do, having groups of both you know, white and colored students come together, even on church-owned property in the state of Louisiana, was against the law, and you couldn't do that. And I was part of more than 100 campus ministers and students who decided to defy the laws of the state of Louisiana. And we decided that we could not meet at Baton Rouge, so we met at the Methodist Mission in Dulac, Louisiana. Dulac, Louisiana is a Native American reservation federal property. Do you know how amazing it is to see two federal marshals scatter over 20 Louisiana state troopers with shotguns and lodge sticks? I mean, these, these guys just whispered something in their wrist, and all of a sudden, I think they whispered something like, how would you like to spend the next 20 years in jail? And boy, those guys were gone. Well, the weekend was a great weekend. Black and white students came together, we sang, we prayed, we fellowshiped, we had sports events together like volleyball, and the world did not come to an end. It was a great weekend. And all of a sudden, the us-them world in my mind started crumbling, and that was just the beginning for me. God has a way of doing things like that, and will continue to do things like that. Today, the United Methodist Church, many of you have been reading about it, is facing once again the us-them mentality. This time not on the basis of race. But now we've decided we need to have an us-them mentality based on sexual orientation. And so you may read about churches disaffiliating from the United Methodist Church. And if you want to know what it's about, that's the basis of it. They make that claim that they cannot be part of any church who would have those kind of people as part of the church life. Us and them. I guess somehow some of these people have forgotten our identity. We are United Methodist. We are people with open hearts, open minds, 
open doors. We are people with an open table. And that isn't just when we come to communion, friends. It's every time we gather as the church, the table's open and everybody's welcome. There is no us and them in my Methodist church and never will be. That game of Texas 42 I was talking about, it's a fascinating game. Um, again, very frustrating for me. It's very hard to win. But, but it's a fascinating game on how they keep score. You got the us-them, but we're going to show you how they keep score. You do it by marks. You win one game, two games, three games, four games, five games, six games, seven games, and you're the winner. Do you see what it spells? Us and them ends when you understand it's not about us and them. It's about all. I want you to listen carefully to the opening words of the invitation to Holy Communion. I'll say them right now, but listen for them again. It says this, Christ invites all. Did you get it? Christ invites all. Like Peter, we are invited to catch a vision that we are all created by God as acceptable and loved. As you come up to the table today, my friends, walking next to other brothers and sisters, I want you to hear that in your own heart and soul. God accepts everyone. Even us. Let us pray. Oh God, thank you for giving us visions of inclusiveness. That you are a God who loves the whole world. And it is your desire that we come together as one people. Amen.